Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Everybody to Neon Twilight with your host Solaris Blue Raven. Most of you know her from, of course, Freedom Slips Radio and then KCOR, and the fact that she has been around for a very long period of time and has managed to put her finger into so many pies and and, and bring so much information out to you that it, it's amazing. And, and she has kindly. Uh, joined Nightlight Radio once a month so that she can bring her wisdom and her her insight and her knowledge and her experience to, to this audience as well as the other audiences that she um, has been serving for a very, very long time. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Solaris. Welcome to your show. Well, well thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Barbara. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you uh, for that beautiful introduction as well. And, yeah, I look forward to our show each month. It's fabulous with me on Twilight. Well, you know, it's been interesting because it, it's taken on a different flavor from the other shows that you do. And mm-hmm. um, so, so it really is kind of cool that, you know, most of your other shows and, and mine, actually, um, are all interview shows, basically, or roundtables where a topic is discussed. And, and Neon Twilight has a different flavor to it, and, and I love the way that you have really um, molded it so that it does serve a different purpose, a different audience. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting how that sort of just morphed into its own design work, and of course, I think you've been awesome as my, I guess you can call them a co- co-host on here, uh, discussing all these wonderful topics, so it's been really, really fun, and I, I agree, I've had a good time with this information. I hope your listeners do as well. Well, you know, it's. I think that, that, you know, for both of us, we're hitting material that we've, we're aware of, but, but we haven't really discussed at great length, really, unless, of course, an author has written a book about it, and, and of course, much has been written about Atlantis, for sure, and and yet, to go back to, I think, one of the most reliable sources, um, which would be Manly P. Hall, 
um, and and mm-hmm. you know take his information. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and the book that we're we're going into is the Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. Um, you you want to maybe kind of explain a little bit about um, who he was and and um, you know the book that we're going to be using. Well, that's a how do I describe him? You know, it, it's interesting. I this is more your area or not when it comes down to Manly P. Hall's work, but, uh, it, you know, the way I just see him is, is a visionary. You know, I, I don't want to give it uh, a generic description. I see him more when I researched his book and started looking into even the secret teachings of the ages. This is uh, information based on so different, uh, so many different philosophies, um, mysticism, occultism, spirituality. He covers so many different areas and, and in my opinion, has been one of the, um, you know, the, one of these path cutters insofar as the path to our own um, level of consciousness and, and mystical alchemy. You know, I looked at, uh, I think we might have had this discussion before, but the, uh, the Masons thought highly of him. And, and for some reason or another, uh-huh. I thought he was part of the Masonic teachings, but apparently he wasn't. He was, you know, but his work was studied for, for many, very, very long time. So when I look at him, I don't like to put a specific label on um, his work because it seems very nebulous to me. And I'm, you might be able to do a better description than I am. But um, for me, I, I find that his topics are fascinating, and, and I find that also people will find something in each, once again, in each chapter or in each uh, on each subject, they'll find something that they resonate with that takes them to a whole different level of their own spirituality. It's almost as if it's been written in code, once again, and I don't know if you get that or not, but for me, it seems like he, you know, everybody seems to write in a different level of, it's, it's almost like a sequencing of something on a cosmic scale. Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, for those, you know, this is from the back of his book, um, he he was born in 1901 and he died in 1990 so he um he is he is an older generation and and they they describe him as a widely regarded as a sage and teacher steeped in the wisdom of antiquity as one of the leading esoteric scholars of the 20th century and he helped he founded the philosophical research society in Los Angeles in 34 and they continue to publish his books and pursue his his educational mission. He literally, the book the book is is a huge book. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. But he's written on just about every topic you can imagine, and and some that you didn't expect to find in um, in in a book like this. I mean, I. I as I recall, when I leafed through uh, one of my copies of it uh, a long time ago, there was a whole thing about, you know, who wrote Shakespeare, Shakespeare or Bacon. I mean, he's he's he, it's it's like he he took everything that that even had a little bit of a hint, a sprinkle of esoteric information, and and it's in this book, and um, it's really quite amazing because he puts out what information is out there. He gives you source material. And he he doesn't give you any opinions his own at least that I've noticed he's just presenting the facts just the facts kind of like Joe Friday and mm-hmm. and and leaves it up to you to take it to whatever level of consciousness you've got and apply it to your life or not but um, I, I I challenge anybody my sister who speed reads read all the way through it you know in 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 like an afternoon and an evening and you know i've often said speed reading to me is not no way to enjoy a book um and and i don't know that she retained any or you know anything that she actually read but 
but I find that the way we're going to be doing it in in taking it in, in, in short little chapterettes, so to speak, um, is it, going to be a great way to share the information because even though I've been in the field for a long time and so have you, um, there, was, there was information here that, that, you know, I kind of vaguely remember, but it was it was very interesting for me to go back and just renew my my um, familiarity with, with Atlantis especially. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. How do you feel about it? I mean, you you picked tonight's mm-hmm. chapters. So, um, I did. <laughs> well, I, I'm very drawn to Atlantis for various reasons, but I, I do like the um, the topic of Atlantis, and I like what he's describing insofar as his information. And you're right. He leaves it to the, the reader to kind of decode and absorb as they're guided to do so. And, and the last time I really read uh, Manly P. Hall was a long, long time ago, quite honestly, so I had to order the book again because uh, it disappeared and vanished. And of course, I've been uh, going through it again. So, but this is a chapter that stands out in my opinion: the Atlantis um, and the Gods of Antiquity. And as I was mentioning to you prior to the show, I've got the uh, the Secret Teachings of All Ages, unabridged, 1928 illustrated edition, and it has a, a Manly P. Hall's picture on the top or on the front. Excuse me. So that's um, you know I think people would really enjoy this work, but it is something that you can't, in my opinion, you can't speed read this. I just don't think so. I mean, I can talk fast, but no. my point is that you have to absorb it. And with me, I like to read things, and and sometimes my mind works very fast, so I'll, I'll highlight certain things that I find have a certain uh, resonance with me. I'm sure most uh-huh. people can relate to that, but that's definitely something that I do. So yeah. Well, it's it's kind of you know if, if someone is on a spiritual journey and. And they're starting. They're just starting in. The, you know, there are a couple of books like Science of Mind is a very good book to have as a as a reference. The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall, another good one. Certainly a good Bible. Um, there there are a, a number of books that that you know should be in the beginner's library. Um, oh gosh, Holy Blood, Holy Braille, um, The Spear of Destiny. <laughs> Um, I mean, there are lots of, you know, there are tons of really, really good books. But if you're just beginning, if you're starting out in the field, if you want to get a spiritual background, uh, not necessarily a psychic background, but a spiritual background, you know, those are the kind of books that I would recommend that you, you kind of read and refer back to from time to time because it's good to have a beginner's library, you know, you're, everybody's going to find directions that they go in. Um, I, I know I have. I know there are certain areas that I'm just fascinated up, up the wazoo over and then others that just don't call to me at this particular point in time. Does, doesn't mean they mm-hmm. won't at some time, but um, these are the books that, 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 you know, to have as a good reference to be able to sort of go back and get a little bit of knowledge. And what I love about the, is the secret teachings is that, you know, his chapters aren't incredibly long. He gives you just enough enough information to um, to kind of uh, tickle your taste buds. And, you know, if it's an area that, that on a consciousness level you're drawn to, you will then be forced to go and find other books, and Amazon is a great source. But um, mm-hmm. this is this is definitely a book that, well, it's not a fun read, you know. It's not a it's not a um, it's not a novel type reading. It is it is definitely an informational um, foundational. I think it's a great foundational book, and mm-hmm. certainly certainly um, 
I, I was trying, just trying to think of who who's written. I've read a ton of books on Atlantis, as as have you, I think. I have. I was um, I was always reading books on Atlantis back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think of you know why is it that when you when you are searching suddenly for the, a title that you can't pull it up immediately. Um, it's it. I, there is one book that I've read that is absolutely, I think, the. Um, it's a book on Atlantis. It was uh, oh, son of a gun. Um, I found it. It's um, it's called Edgar Casey's Atlantis, and it is mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal book, and. I think it was written by, uh, yeah, Greg Little. It is the best book on Atlantis that I've ever read, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's an easy it's an easy good read. But they're all good, and and the cool thing is that the the actual to have actual material that talks about Atlantis. It it, it it's very Plato did it. And you know that that goes back thousands of years. So that um, Atlantis is is either a reality or it is a symbol reflecting a part of humanity's climb towards uh, ascension. And mm-hmm. you know it, it's it, it's but but it's it's it it's well it's magical actually. But but. To have actual proof of it, to be able to point on the map like you can Troy and all of the other, you know, mythical places, you know, they, they've basically in the Garden of Eden. Even it's it's not a place where you can say, "Yep, that's exactly where it was," because because they've mm-hmm. got it. They've got Atlantis, you know, pinpointed all over the map. Oh yeah, no, it seems like it's more in the ether field now, anyways. But also, in my opinion, it's in the uh, in our cells and atoms and consciousness. You know, it's just part of the archives of the cosmos, for what it's worth. However, you want to define it. At least that's the way I'm seeing it these days. Well, yeah, I like the way you put that. Um, I, I I would tend to agree with you. I I have you know recently been looking into the shining ones and and the fact that they were a species slash culture that was here before you know. Maybe forty, fifty, maybe a hundred thousand years ago, and that that uh, you know a lot of our myths that are referring to gods and goddesses and stuff like that are, are actually referring to the shining ones, and that they did intermarry with the indigenous peoples. And so, in the in in all of our DNA, there is memory of I believe what Atlantis was, and and I don't think it was. Anything that that is out there to this day, you know, fragments of it, yes, but but you know, because we don't have all the pieces, we we make up the story, and and I think that's what's happened with so many so many of these books that mm-hmm. because there is no real scientific evidence, um, this is where all of the myths come in, but but at the core of every myth is the seed of absolute truth. So, mm-hmm. um, and and Plato got his information from Solon. Solon. He was Solon? an Egyptian. Yeah, Solon. 
and mm-hmm. he was telling a story of thousands of years before that. So, so that you know, the date of Atlantis is is really vague and out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably was the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Well, let's 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 give them kind of basically a little bit of an explanation of what Plato said Atlantis was. I'm gonna leave that to you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, he talks about an area that was um, beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which um, is Gibraltar. And um, he talks, he describes it as either a collection of islands or, and he goes back to, to way, way, you know, to the, at the time of creation when, when the earth was founded and, and, so Atlantis was a portion of the world that was given to Neptune, and and he in turn um, set it up as a as a kingdom, and and then after a period of time, it was divided um, into I, I believe Neptune had five sets of boys, of twins, and. Um, Atlantis was divided into sections for each of them. They each became a king of their own section of Atlantis. It was a huge um, island, I guess, or groups of islands. And um, it was divided amongst the children equally, and they, they all had made a pact that they would support one another. Nobody would kill any, each other, and that if in time of some war they would all you know, going to battle together, and and it was a thriving society. And when they talk about the um, construction of it, uh, you know, silver and gold, and and a a a mineral that I have I struggled to pronounce. Are you are you familiar with what I'm talking about? The um, uh, are you reading from the pages because I was looking at the book and I wasn't certain if you were going through. The um, what was written in the Gods of Antiquity, or not? So, it is, are you focusing the book I was itself? Kind of, well, I was going a little bit on both, but okay. They they That's talked why I gave about you the <laughs> they talk about the fact that that um, the buildings were covered with with brass and with tin and with um, um, gold and silver and. I can't pronounce it's it's I I struggled with this today. Um what page is it on? that that <laughs> the mineral. I'm I'm on page 81 actually. It's it's O R I C H A L C H. Um Orchalot. Okay, I'm on a Yeah, I'd have to look it up. And actually, I'm on a different page than you from a different book. So that's oh, okay. probably what's causing a little confusion there. Um but well, that's no. okay. But it, it's a mineral that that um, they said was 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 um, next to gold, the um, mineral that was that was most treasured, and um, and I've never heard of it. So it's. Are you spelling again, please? O r i c h a l c h. Okay. Or Aureolic? Uh, that sounds good. Aureolic? Um, oh. 
Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mineral that I'm not familiar with at all, and I'm very into jewel, precious metals especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but it just it, it's amazing how how elaborate that they they go into their description of of the fact that the you know Atlantic was, uh, Atlant the Atlantic Ocean was named after Atlantis and um he was Atlas was one of the sons of of I think Poseidon so that so that you know you're going way 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 back and mm-hmm. it they talk about how how they almost it they almost describes it Plato almost describes it as though it was like a garden of Eden and in 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 Plato's works, um, he I don't know if it's in Plato's works or not because I was reading up on it at one point in time and I I, I was reading this uh, Timorous and the the it's it's um, Sidious or whatever Latin words just don't roll off my tongue as I like them to, and he in in many ways some of the fables say that Atlantis um became so powerful that it started to um attack um other colonies um Troy and 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 um Troy and Sparta and and it actually was the the Trojans that overthrew Atlantis at one point in time this is not in this book by the way and um so that so that they became corrupt, and I I had read somewhere that that Atlantis was sunk by the gods, but in in this book and according to Plato, it was um, earthquakes and volcanoes that uh, took it down, mm-hmm. and that at one at one time it sank um, it it sank where it was which meant that nobody could go sailing out the Straits of Gibraltar because um, it was so muddy It was because of Atlantis sinking that, that uh, ships weren't able to go in and out for, for thousands of years or whatever until the water rose higher or whatever. So mm-hmm. so, so basically, in, in looking at what Atlantis stood for, the more I read, the more I got the feeling that it was meant to be a symbol of consciousness as opposed to a real place. I, I don't know if you got the f- same feeling I did. Well, I find it to be more of a, a place that's, um, I, I want to call it like more ether, more etheric, ethereal in the sense of the way it was designed. Uh, I see it more as more of a, a light language or a light being, like our essence of origin insofar as who we really are as cosmic beings integrated onto a world. But I, you know, when you look at what they're trying to look at here when they're writing about these initial Atlantis, it seems to me like they're just trying to relate it to the people of the timeline, which would mean that it would be more, um, the description is more physical in the sense people can relate to it. So that's what I look at it like back in the day where they're trying to write to accommodate the masses back then and the people and their belief systems versus a very advanced type of celestial technology and civilization. And also what, look, what I look at when I'm talking about like celestial bodies and the gods reference, like for example, the planets were referenced as, as gods back in the day. I mean, in a sense of living intelligence, living beings. So that's something to factor in as well. If you're looking at planetary systems and, and even the idea behind Atlantis, I mean, we can even take it to that level. I mean, this is obvious, you know, more nebulous, but the idea behind it being something more planetary, more uh, like another body, like a celestial body, such as the planets were described as the gods 
uh, like Neptune and, and such. And Venus, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just... So that's it, just something it, I look um, at. I, no, I, I agree with you. And and it just, to me, I, I mean, it's a wonderful tale, but, and, you know, the way... I don't think Plato wrote fairy tales, and yet it feels like that's that the Atlantis was a fairy tale. Or was it misrepresented it, over decades and decades and centuries and centuries? That's another aspect, too. Well, well yeah. And and I mean, I mean like it's, a, it's a, exactly and 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 it, it's similar to the Bible in that a story was woven together to explain something that they had no physical information on. Mm-hmm. Be, like, because you like don't written in code, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be, because you know, it, with with a lot of the ancient cities, you know, there are artifacts that that have been dug up. That, that you know point to the fact that you know you know made in Troy and made in Rome and, you know but there's nothing that says made in Atlantis and so so the more the more I look into it the more I um, I mean and and come on we just did Toth and and basically Toth mm-hmm. talked about um, being you know being growing up on Atlantis and you know. Much as I believe there was a there was a, a Trismegistus, you know for sure. I believe Toth existed. Um, I, I'm not so sure I buy the um, and and according to the the Emerald Tablet material, um, the the people of of Atlantis misused their powers, and because of that, the gods sank the island and you know took it out of existence. And before. Um, it went underground. Toth took his followers and went to Egypt to, you know, start to, you know, bring them into a, a higher level of awareness and understanding. So that, so that, mm-hmm. that's the only other place in in ancient writings that that I have um, heard reference to Atlantis. You know, any other Atlantis mm-hmm. material has been very, very current, you know, 19th, 20th, well, Blavatsky talked about it, but but there, there's no, Sumerians didn't talk about it. Um, the Egyptians vaguely talked about it, but not really. So, mm-hmm. so, so it, it's kind of like there's, aside from Plato, um, I don't, I, I don't recall. Was there one other place where, where in antiquity the the mention of Atlantis was? Um, in, in this particular chapter, you're talking about the Atlantis and the gods yeah. of antiquity, or well, I yeah. can read it. I mean, if you want me to read through here, we can kind of go through that um, and certainly address it. But I, I agree with you in a sense before we get started that I find it to be more ethereal in a sense, but also that I do believe there was an advanced celestial civilization. Now, whether it was actually physically on this world or in a different field of energy, which is different configurations, my take, I do, I do say that. I said that that's my gnosis. Of, of, I feel like that's definitely, um, yes. But, but what they're describing in this whole, um, this type of a formula they've created, I find it's designed to accommodate the, the people of the timeline. At least that's what it looks like. So, but if you want, I can read a few. Um, we can go through a few paragraphs yeah, why don't we here do, and there. Why, yeah, why don't, why don't we do that? Because that gives that way, people an I idea. Yeah, we're going in and out of different things, but just to give everybody an idea of the template itself, of the book itself, which is Atlantis and the Gods of Antiquity, and I could just read a few chapters and 
I won't bore you all to tears, but we'll just go through a few things here. So I'm going to start in the beginning, and hopefully, Barbara, you have the same kind of uh, data on your page, even though I'm on a different page with a particular book. But <laughs> it's the Atlantic. <laughs> we'll see how this works, right? But the uh, Atlantic okay. is the subject of but important article appearing in the annual report of the Board of Regents of the Smithsonian Institution for the year ending June 30th, 1915. The author, M. Pierre Tremier, a member of the Academy of Sciences and Director of Service of the Geologic Chart of France, 1912, delivered a lecture on the Atlantean hypothesis before the Institute Oceanographic. It is the translated notes of this remarkable lecture that are published in the Smithsonian Report. And that's what this is referring to here. So if, you, um, if you're all ready, I'll just go ahead and start. Sure. Okay. Are you, do you see that on your page? Oh, yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. okay very good. Okay, so after a long period of disdainful indifference, uh, writes M. Tamir, observe how in the last few years science is returning to the study of Atlantis. How many naturalists, geologists, zoologists, or botanists are asking one another today whether Plato has not transmitted to us with slight amplification of page from the actual history of mankind. No affirmation is yet permissible, but it seems more and more evident that a vast region, continental or made up of greater islands, has collapsed west of the Pillars of Hercules, otherwise called the Strait of Gibraltar, and that it collapsed, its collapse occurred in the not-so-not-far-distant past. In any event, the question of Atlantis is placed anew before men of science, and since I do not believe that it can ever be solved without of the aid of oceanography, I have thought it natural to discuss it here in this temple of maritime science and to call to such a problem, long scorned but now being revived, the attention of oceanographers as well as the attention of those who, through immersed in the tumult of cities, lend an ear to the distant murmur of the sea. In his lecture, M. Timur, I hope I pronounced his last name right, presents geologic, geographic, and zoologic data in the substantiation of the Atlantis theory. Figuratively draining the entire bed of the Atlantic Ocean, he considers the inequalities of its basin and and sites, gosh, I'm reading here, and sites locations on a line from the Azores to Iceland, where dredging has brought lava to the surface from a depth of 3,000 meters. The volcanic nature of the islands now existing in the Atlantic Ocean corroborates Plato's statement that the Atlantean continent was destroyed by volcanic cataclysms. And M. Tamir also advances the conclusions of a young French zoologist, M. Louis Germain, who admitted the existence of an Atlantic continent connected with the Iberian Peninsula within Mauritania and prolonged toward the south so as to include some regions of desert climate. M. Tamir concludes his lecture with a graphic picture of the engulfment of that continent and the description of the Atlantean civilization given by Plato in the Critias may be summarized as follows. In the first ages, the gods divided the earth among themselves, proportioning it according to their respective dignities. Each became the peculiar deity of his own allotment and established therein temples to himself, ordained a priestcraft, and instituted a system of sacrifice. To Poseidon was given the sea and the island continent of Atlantis. In the midst of the island was a mountain, which was the dwelling place of three earth-born primitive human beings, Evanor, his wife, Lucity, I guess that's how you say it, and their only daughter, Clado. The maiden was very beautiful, and after the sudden death of her parents, she was wooed by Poseidon, who begat by her five pairs of male children. Poseidon apportioned his continents among them, these ten, and and Atlas, the eldest, he made overlord of the other nine. Poseidon further called the country Atlantis and the surrounding sea, the Atlantic, in honor of Atlas. Before the birth of his ten sons, Poseidon divided the continent 
and the coast wide see into concentric zones of land and water, which were as perfect as though turned upon alas. Two zones of land and three of water surrounded the central island, which Poseidon caused to be irrigated with two springs of water, one warm and the other cold. The descendants of Atlas continued as rulers of Atlantis and with, and with wise governments and industry. Excuse me while I turn the page because I'm reading from a very big book. <laughs> elevated the <laughs> elevated the country to a position of surpassing dignity. The natural resources of Atlantis were apparently limitless. Precious metals were mined, wild animals domesticated, and perfumes distilled from its fragrant flowers. While enjoying the abundance natural to their semi-tropic location, the Atlanteans employed themselves also in the erection of palaces, temples, and docks. They bridged the zones of sea and later dug a deep canal to connect the outer ocean with the central island, where stood the palaces and temple of Poseidon, which excelled all other structures in magnificence. A network of bridges and canals were created by Atlanteans to unite the various parts of their kingdom. I'm just going to stop here for a second, but you know, when I'm reading this, it feels like mythology to me to some degree. And yeah. I don't know how you're digesting it, but that's what it seems like. And remember, I was talking about the um, the planetary systems and the celestial bodies and how they uh-huh. were treated as, you know, they're considered to be gods. This is what this reminds me of. So, yeah, I think you have some good points you're making. And I'm, I'm not sure how we can go into other levels of it. I don't want to bore everybody, but I just want to give an idea of um, what this book is communicating and how it's representing itself through their own description. Yeah, I think that, the, well, most most people, of course, I'm, I'm probably older than most of you out there, but, um, it, you know, there was a, a time in, in high school where we, we went into the Roman gods and the Greek gods and the Norse gods and, you know, all of the different, and, and so there there is there is a background in mythology, and you're absolutely right. And it, it's just sort of like, it 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 feels almost like the Bible and how it was written that mm-hmm. this mytholo- right. that, that that this story was put together to explain a culture that may have had greater insight and wisdom and and ability and then I mean there there are I mean uh, uh, there are many many stories about how survivors of Atlantis settled in different places and they're the ones that built the pyramids because you know and and then uh i mean you take it even further and and you know this is where the rh negative factor came from that that science can't explain because that was the survivors of atlantis and that's that's how their bloodline has come down through the generations um but but it does feel like it's it's a wonderful story that is made to explain stuff that nobody else can explain. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and, and there's something that, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, you, you know, and I, and I go back to the fact that, that we found archaeological evidence of so many different things that, mm-hmm. that um, to not have anything that, that, we could, that we could point to and say, yes, indeed, this came from, Atlantis. This is something that was indigenous to Atlantis. There, there's nothing, and I mean, you can go back, look at look at even the the glyphs that they found in the Bosnian pyramids that go back forty thousand years. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and and theoretically, Atlantis was was within that time frame, and yet. This is the only evidence we have that it existed. So it had to have been 
the story had to have been created for a for a reason. It isn't just, you know, mm-hmm. some old man, you know, writing a fairy tale for his grandchildren or something. Um, right. It stood the test of time. So if it stood the test of time, it has to resonate to the distant memories we all carry within us. So there has to be a truth or a wisdom or a point mm-hmm. I agree. the whole story. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, you're, you're right. It's like a metaphor almost for a lot of different uh events that have taken place, almost like a, an Akashic of some kind. And I agree in a sense. I mean, we all have this correlation as, as spiritual beings or cosmic beings, whatever you want to call us. We, we certainly resonate on a psychic subliminal level with pyramids and structures and geometrics and cosmic design. So um, something like this story, which I don't know about you, and I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, for me, Atlantis really rings. Uh, the frequency rings. I've had regression um, years and years in the 90s done on Atlantis, and I got a lot of good data. So it wasn't anything like what Plato described. And that's my point. So it is what it is. But when I see this description, like I said, I think it is a metaphor for other things. And I think it's a, a sequencing to connect us and maybe even interconnect us onto the real the real uh, civilizations before mankind really showed up on the map. I mean, it's almost like the halls of Amente. We're going to another field of energy where it's going to be hard to find anything tangible. And then, of course, if you look at the ancient artifacts, which have been confiscated over how many decades and centuries, well, we might have some remnants of Atlantis, but we may not have seen it as a, as you know, the people on ground level. It could be other other types who have access to that. Yeah, and and I, I think that that the important things that came from Atlantis or the concept of it, uh, it, it was wisdom teaching, and mm-hmm. and again and and again, it may be that it is tying us into another level of consciousness because I mean nowhere in here did I read anything about crystals about um, flying machines about um, you know any of the stuff that that I've seen in other books about Atlantis and so it it is talking about a high level of civilization and that to me could Atlantis could even represent the consciousness Mm mm-hmm and the misuse of, because it is about power and uh, control insofar as misusing technology or even, even power, psychic power, whatever that may get, whatever gifts people have. But, yeah, definitely about control, in my opinion. But it is interesting how, and I guess it has a lot to do with, with the beings who incarnate. You know, you're looking at different people uh-huh. who are writing different, different information based on whether it's their cellular memory or their state of consciousness, where they come from. And maybe they had more access to the data than the people that wrote back then. I'm not saying Plato didn't have access, but... It, it is very interesting to me, and, and I, a lot of the data that he writes about, I don't really feel energetically connected to it, but I do feel energetically connected to the word Atlantis, and when I look at it on a higher level, I see, I see that, and I see the technology, I see the crystalline types of, um, you know, types of devices and things that they were capable of doing through, through their own um, technology, so, and that's where we're at today, even behind the scenes. Well, yeah, and, and you know, when you think about um even even uh, the, the mythology of uh, of the romans and the greeks and and their you know their the gods in the sky and everything i mean it it that came after atlantis when you when you're thinking about where they're putting atlantis in a time frame they're putting it back i think a lot further than than um than even these guys have of the 18th and 19th century put it because um, 
if if they're talking about there is Solon spoke of um having a priest, an Egyptian priest taking him into a long chamber that had a a a chronology, a statue of all of the priests in the priesthood who had served and, and it went back thousands and thousands and thousands of years and then um when when the chronology stopped he asked the priest, you know, well who was here before then and and, and the answer was that's when the gods lived among us. So mm-hmm. so that took that that takes you way far back and I, I'm beginning to think that, that again this is very much like the Bible. It's mm-hmm. that it, 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 there's truth to it, but the truth has been lost in the telling of the story. I agree. It's like that old the telephone game, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody was somebody else, and right. by the time yep. you get through yeah. ten thousand or or fifty thousand years, the message is lost. <laughs> and that's why I like the idea behind working with a cosmic design and higher self over soul, and bringing in the data from the Palat Akashic, whatever you want to call it, universal Akashic. Because in my opinion, we already have access to real information. And just by doing our own remote accessing, we could probably come up with more data, more clarity versus what they've been doing. Because there is an agenda behind a lot of this, in my opinion, when you know we talk about biblical information, et cetera, it's still going to be about controlling or obfuscation or keeping something hidden so there's not too much power or um, evolution you know, associated, in my opinion, anyway. So I find that this is kind of misleading in a sense, and that is um, what I've been noticing. And I guess that's why when I read these books, I, I highlight certain things that resonate, because most of the time I'll see something that really doesn't, but then something will pop out. Well, yeah, and and again, it's it's sort of like, you know, they're talking about, there's talk of, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and, and all of the, the uh, stuff that was taken from Solomon's temple and hidden. And, 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 and the reality is that there probably are treasures, but I believe it's wisdom. It isn't a physical, it, it, it isn't something of a physical nature. I mean, let's face it, mm-hmm. if it was gold, it was melted long ago. But, um, but the wisdom, the, the texts, the... the and, and and when you stop to think about it, when you're talking about that long ago, two, three, four thousand years, um, what was considered treasure then does not necessarily constitute treasure now. Mm-hmm. Very true. So it seems to me that the real treasure is, is enlightenment, is wisdom. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I go along with you on that one for sure. And you mm-hmm. know, when you look at at all of the um, information that's on there about this this here and and everywhere on Atlantis. I mean, I there was a time I thought Atlantis was a mothership that, you know, got a flat tire and landed in the middle of the ocean and and mm-hmm. terraformed its surface and sent out people to see if they could find a flat tire or a garage and and so for thousands of years they lived on the surface on their terraformed mothership and when they actually did find the pieces they need or or found whatever it was they needed to fix their spaceship um it took off in a in an explosion so to speak and and they stranded some of their people here but they went they went home so mm-hmm. the reason you can't find Atlantis is because it 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 was never actually a, a part of our physical reality mhm either, either it 
right. you know, either it's phased into another dimension or mm-hmm. or whatever. Or maybe there was an overlap of worlds and times. Um, but right, yeah. I see that too, like in a sense of a, a different space-time configuration. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that. It all takes is a tweak, and and it's a different space-time, different planetary systems. Uh, everything has changed, you know. So, I don't think your description is too far out, actually. <laughs> yeah, it certainly has a resonance effect with me. I find that, yeah, um, could be highly possible in a sense. Well, you know, it, when you made, when, anyway. when the culture or whatever gets stranded, they eventually are are assimilated into whatever the indigenous peoples are, you know, and there is a blending right. of, of cultures. But, um, and that could explain, you know, a lot about the pyramids and stuff like that, where it was a generation that was able to produce stuff like that, but then after the generations passed, you know, passed on, the the, the technique and the, and the ability to do that stuff was lost. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it 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 became something that that future generations used, but but couldn't replicate. Right. Well, that sounds like a lot of today's work too. I mean, you look at even something like the computer systems and iPhones and this and that. I mean, who knows how many people can actually put one together and understand how to fix one or repair one, or say they <laughs> lost access to the manufacturing. Seriously, I mean, when you look at it, think about that as well. And you know, that's why I would say learn how things work if you can. Try to figure things out as best you can when it comes to whether it's technological or spiritual. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, th- you know, it, it was funny because um, after I, I moved here, um, there was an EMP surge and I lost my computer for almost a week. I had no internet. Mm-hmm. And I was really lost. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, where I where I would, you know, normally go to the computer and look something up. I couldn't do that, and uh, because of the pandemic, the libraries weren't available, and so it was like you—you you, you suddenly felt cut off from the world, even though you weren't. You know, there were still telephones. Mm-hmm. Um, right. No, there wasn't telephone. I, I lost—I lost all of that. So, mm. but but it does—it does make you um, cognizant of the fact that. We depend upon these, this technology so tremendously, and and um, an EMP surge is not out of the out of the possibility of, of reality. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, have backups, have good books and batteries. <laughs> right, and also using your you know, using your mind and your brain and uh, just the mechanics of you know, understanding, you know, common sense. Because I think people are going to have to rely on that again at some point. And then that psychic energy, I mean, we all, we've talked about that before, but the idea behind interfacing with the, with the universe or the cosmos, I mean, you can do that without having to um, use an Internet. I mean, the real, the real web is the, is the multiverse, in my opinion, where you can just go in there and find information. There's, we're streaming consciousness all the time. So I think people have forgotten about that a little bit with this distraction, and hopefully they'll kind of recalibrate. Well, I, I would totally agree with you on that. I think that... that there is a generation here that has that so relies on on the handhelds that um if they if they had to look something up if they i mean there there are some youtubes of teenagers being given a dial telephone and not being able to figure out how to make it work um so what about micro so, you know remember back in the day i mean you know oh jeez. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I used to use them. I guess they still use them. That's what I used to use a lot. So, 
Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've often wondered where is the cloud that everything is stored in? You know, is it really a cloud or is it? I say it's a fusion center, isn't it? I'm not certain. I, I, oh, I, I calibrate it something like that. I have no idea, but but you know it will it will bring it will bring humanity to its knees if we lose the internet and and all of the electronics that we've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It, it will be well, an again, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I was just I was just going to say one. You know, the thing is about the cloud, for example, is they're just bringing in all kinds of data, whether it's good or bad. They don't care. They're just they're just compiling information. And a lot of it's probably not accurate. And I find that, you know, when you store information that's not good, it's bad data, then what's the point? And having a big library of false data, right? And I find that I think that this is going to be happening more and more. We, we have to use the sermon on the Internet, for example, but in these big areas where they're putting everything on the cloud, I mean, you access those things later on, you're going to say, what is all this garbage? I mean, probably most of it's trash, stuff we wouldn't even use, my point. So and then you look at back in the day with, with like what we're describing here with the secret teachings and and you know, well, it could be a fantasy. It could be a drug, um, some kind of drug he was on. It could have been a lot of different things that created this. I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying we really don't know what was in his head at the time that inspired him to really write about this and what caused that. Well, he, so he was a philosopher, and mm-hmm. and I I I am the the more I look at you know who he was as a person and what he was famous for. Um, was philosophy was you know uh understanding the concepts of of human beings and 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 the philosophical understanding of how society um evolved and grew and and what better way to do it than in an allegory mhm right and in the more I look at it, the more it reads as a celestial blueprint. So it reads like I'm looking at Neptune. I'm looking at the planets when he's describing everything. I'm not looking at here. I'm not looking at our oceans here. I'm looking at off planet. Uh-huh. I think, you know, the more the more you and I talk, the more I begin to think that, that Atlantis was meant to represent something other than what everybody has taken it to be. And, and you know, and... and how 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 um how common a thing for humanity to take a story at its word value instead of looking into what it was really meant to represent i agree and i think the reason that the masons were attracted to his work manly p hall is because it does leave that uh, room for play it, you know you can look at it as a metaphor you can create ritual around it you can decode it on a level of spirituality or consciousness and, and even play with it in the sense of seeing what you can do with the information in a ceremony where what would open up energetically for them to see more about it. And I find that maybe that was one of the reasons um, they were so attracted to his work as well. Could could be. You, you almost kind of would like to be able to have dinner with Plato and say, you know, so what did Atlantis stand for? <laughs> you know? I have to ask you one question. If you could have dinner with anybody in history, in the illusion of history, who would you have dinner with? Who would you like to talk to? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, I would, I would, oh, geez, that's such a good question. Um, I guess I would, well, I, I would like to talk with Jesus. <laughs> 
I would like to talk with um, Hermes Trismegistus. I would love to talk with um, anybody. God. I'd like to talk with God. I have some real big questions for God. Um, I, you know, I, I, it, not so much public figures as historical figures, and and just find out what really they intended. Um, their teachings to represent. Mm-hmm. How about you? Who would you have dinner with? Well, I think you should write a book on questions for God. Not to divert. I would love to talk to Nikola Tesla. I love Nikola Tesla, and I would like to have oh, been yeah. able to talk to him. And Jesus, I could go with that as well. Um, yeah, Hermes. I, I could go with a lot of the, the people you mentioned or the beings. Um, I think those are the main ones. I love the inventors and the scientists. But for me, I'd really, uh, I'd really love to talk to Nikola Tesla. I think he was my favorite out of the scientists. I mean, he, I know everybody has a lot of information on him, but to sit and understand, uh, there's so much about him that was so complex, and he seemed so, so much like a walk-in. I find that, um, and in my opinion, you know, this is what Atlantis is. It's that kind of a technology that is capable of creating great strengths and great evolution or destroying everything. Mm-hmm. I think he was one of those prophets that come into a, a a time frame to to give the people tools to to increase their understanding and comprehension of the world they live in i mean the buddha and jesus and and um gosh krishna all of those guys um you know were here to give messages to humanity and and i think tesla was as well and having dinner with him would have been a kick because he was really strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if he cared for women he, much, but oh well. But you know, he liked birds. Conversation. <laughs> that sounds good. But yeah, you know, and I know we have a lot of information within our own, like I said, our own DNA. We can access information, but it's nice to be able to sit at the table, a table like that, and just communicate and have real conversations with, with um, those who walked before us. And of course, they're still moving on in their own universes at this point. Well, yeah, but you know, I I do believe they're here on this planet as well. There are there are what I would call prophets that are mm-hmm. that are here today, and and how frustrating it must be to try to get a message out there. It's sort of like like publishing an encyclopedia to a, for a population that can't read yet. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess that's why there's telepathy. Yeah. Show them with pictures, show them with glyphs or symbols or, you know, a lot of people are telepathic, and I think that's a good way to communicate if you understand the language. I think you know, that... Did you the, see... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. No, no. But did you see the scheme? I don't know if you get the pictures that I get in this book, um, where it has the scheme of the universe according to the Greeks and Romans. Do you see that picture? Uh, no, I don't have that in my book. Oh, okay. Well, the reason I'm looking at it is because it's interesting, because, and I just wanted to... If you have something to add, go ahead and add. I just want to mention something after it. No, I just, I just, um, the more I think about it, the more I realize that that um, the prophets that are out there today um, are not the people we, we, you know, who are claiming to be prophets. That's what gets you. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a prophet, a, a prophet doesn't claim to be a prophet. If they do, you know, it, it's what those that speak don't 
those that speak don't know and those who know don't speak. Um, mm-hmm. so, so real prophets are out there trying to put a message out there, trying to seed the consciousness of humanity in a subtle way because they don't want to be labeled a prophet and then have people create a religion around them because that's what usually happens. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, they, they warn you of the false prophets. I think Jesus even mentioned that. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there, in my opinion, that are um, giving the wrong message. Maybe it's not done on purpose just because they just don't have the correct data. And I do find that we've talked about how channels can definitely get a bad read in a sense of not oh, yeah. understanding what they're interfacing with and then bringing in more data that's not. It's corrupted, basically. That's why I always go with higher self over so super conscious and creator source or clarity, as best clarity as I can, because I don't want to get all that entanglement and all the strange connected to um, scattered data. And even this well, you stuff, also I, mean, I look at it from a distance. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, you also don't want to talk to the ego of the person that's giving out the information. You want you want mm-hmm. you you want a clear source, right? And that's 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 hard to do. You know, you know, you channel, I channel. There's always a little bit of us in in whatever we channel because because they're using our vocabulary and our experience to to mm-hmm. create the message that's trying to go across, and and so. It's it's quite impossible to get a pure message, but it's it's possible to get a very clear message. <laughs> right, and that's why I think that the host or whatever you want to call the the being itself that's seeking for the answers, I think it's within, and that they go with their own pure source of energy, their pure light, pure pure state of consciousness, and the data will come in accordingly. Uh, you know, it's good to have like we use for sounding boards. You know, we use each other for sounding boards. I know, and I'm sure you've done that uh-huh. with clients and, and such, but. But it's really just a confirmation. A lot of levels are help them, you know, just kind of shine some light on areas. But I think the keys and the codes are within. And I find that if most people who are seekers really find that they figure that out eventually, that they are the source in, in co-creation with, with the universe and our creator. Yeah, I recently did a um, an interview with uh, Rabbi um, Wayne Dosick. And hmm. he's written a book called um, Radical Loving. Fabulous book. Mm-hmm. Fabulous, fabulous book. And he tells a story about a um, a synagogue. It, it could either be a synagogue or, or a, 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 a church. You know, it, it doesn't matter. But it, it was an organization that, that was very successful and very bountiful. And um, and suddenly they started to lose, you know, parishioners or, or whoever that was coming. And... and the person in charge went to a a, a prophet and and said, you know, we're, we're doing the same thing we've always done, and suddenly we're losing all of our our um, our flock, you know. And and the um, the prophet said, well, you know, it's it's strange that that's happening because the Messiah happens to be a member of your group. And so this mm. man went back. To his group and, and told everybody, he said, you know, one of us is the Messiah, and and he didn't tell me who, and so so from then on, everyone treated everyone else as though they were the Messiah, and the love and the cooperation that started to generate from that drew people back to the organization, and the reality oh, wow. is. And the reality is, if we behave that way, if we understand the fact that we are all the Messiah, 
life mm-hmm. becomes a better place to live. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, that there is so much going on, especially today. Everybody's mm-hmm. looking for the truth, but the reality is everybody has that, that, that spark of the infinite within them, and that's where all the wisdom truly lies. And, and to have to go to another person for it is only to get something channeled through their consciousness as opposed to going to the true source that's inside of you. Right. And I think part of that is It'll, these people need to be plugged in, you know, as far as plugging into their own consciousness, however they do that. Um, and that's yeah. that's part of it. You know, they're just kind of disconnected, whether it's by choice or something else going on. But, yeah, I think so. that idea behind we are all, the higher self is the Godhead. So we are all ascended masters when we choose to be. That's that same blend of energy where we are all that love. And if we treat each other as an ascended being, if we have that unity, then certainly could raise the consciousness of the world. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, but, it's You know, it's that's like pulling teeth these days. You know, the spiking yeah. and polarization that goes on, and, you know, it is what it is, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to put either of us out of business. Yes, we do, but that's, what? that's all right. There's... There's still good stuff there. Um, oh yeah, and then, yeah, go ahead. I think that 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 um, you know we've hit an hour, and I really want to go go into the the myths of the dying god because um, that to me was was another aha moment, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that that it's not that I didn't know it, but but. I found it fascinating that what what has been recorded in the Bible as the story of Jesus is really the repeating of many stories that are thousands of years older mm-hmm. than than what became the foundation of the uh Christ- Christianity and 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 Judaism um mm-hmm. and and it's it's fascinating because the the traditions and the stories and the myths are are all out there. It's just a matter of um, let's see. They go back to the Tammuz and the Ishtar story, which is four thousand years BC, which is six thousand years ago, and mm-hmm. and the story is is um, you know. It, Basically, it's talking about um, gods that, that die and are resurrected, and, and um, it's it's the stories are so similar to that of Jesus that it mm-hmm. makes it makes one pause and and wonder if the people who actually wrote the story and I'm not saying Jesus didn't exist because I believe he did, but but. In, in the writing of it, in the creating of the story that became Christianity, did they borrow from these these myths that were thousands of years old and weave them into a story that mm-hmm. was able to support the personage of Jesus to create a foundation for a religious organization? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's exactly what they did. And it seems like that, once again, we're dealing with the metaphors again, the symbolism even with Isis, Osiris. And the whole idea behind that resurrection and a lot of other things connected to Jesus. But, yeah, it's not just those those few stories with Ishtar and this and that. I mean, there's all kinds of 
stories connected into that, which um, in my opinion is there's certainly a similar thread in the fabric, and I don't find it coincidental. Let's put it that way. So another thing is what, consti- what constitutes a god, in your opinion, when they're looking at these um, deities as gods themselves? What, what makes them stand out as gods, in your opinion? Well, I think humanity um, was and still is in a place where um, they they feel the need for a powerful source to intervene in in in, in their lives in order to protect them. That they that we created the gods um, to explain a lot of. You know, we explain, well, come on, Prometheus and fire, you know, giving fire mm-hmm. to the humans. Um, right, technology, you know, though, yeah. You know, I mean, lightning struck and there was fire. But but the myth, the myth came down, you know, they created the myth that this god brought fire down and gave it to humanity. And that's how we learned how to cook our meat and warm our, and warm our hands in the cold winter nights. So... And, and and even today, people, and I'm not. There's nothing wrong with religion. If you have, if you are a practitioner of any any religion, that and it gives you solace and it gives you comfort and it gives you joy, then then that's where you belong and that's that's very appropriate. Um, I just have a different truth, and my truth is that that you know we have a part of God inside of us, and we don't need to reach outside of us and and that we charted our lives we we planned on having experiences and and you know we we weren't thrust into bad situations or or difficult situations by some god or or whatever i mean it, it it's it's ludicrous um mm-hmm. our spirit requested information you know experiences in the physical realm so that it could enhance itself um, on an etheric level, and and that's what we got, and that's what we're dealing with, and mm-hmm. you know nothing has been imposed upon us. I mean, you know, you've had some really amazing experiences that were not pleasurable, but they made you the person you are, which is you know a cool person, and you, you wouldn't want to change yeah. that. So <laughs> I'm you dragged know. into something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's transmuted alchemically. But you know what? The God idea is, in my opinion, we are all gods, extension of creators, source, co-creators. But, you know, when, you, uh-huh. when someone shows you technology, like another country, for example, has better technology than we do, we wouldn't consider them gods of today. They, we'd say they're advanced. And, and in my opinion, back in the day, if people were impressed by something they didn't understand, whether it was a species of off-planet or some technology, that they would assume they were gods, and maybe they weren't. That was my point um, also. And, and I find that, yeah, we're all divine beings. And then I'm looking at when you're talking, because I agree with you, Barbara, but I'm looking at this like we should just clean the slate. I mean, just wipe it out, like all these equations that don't add up. You know, it's like this big chalkboard with a bunch of writing that doesn't have any value. And also we're like, we just erase it and just start into the void again. I'm not saying we're starting over, but it seems like we are going through a void and we are moving on uh, in consciousness and evolution and everything that we used to think was something tangible doesn't seem like it's tangible at all and, and even this book which i find fascinating and i love i love his work don't get me wrong but as we were discussing it's like um you know it just feels um it doesn't feel like the word tangible is nothing i can think of right now this just doesn't feel like it's solid uh-huh. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that the more I I read of this material, the more I, I, I sit back and, and I take a look. And when you when you look at us as primitive, and and you know take us back 500 years to a, a time when we were more primitive, um, you know we wanted something to believe in that was going to help us get through a difficult time or a, or a difficult situation or and 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 while we we didn't realize that we had the power within us to change situations i mean my god you create your real, your 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 reality by your perspective of it if you don't like what's mm-hmm. going on change it or move on to another to another place or time or whatever but um but there was a time when when people were really locked in their life pathway and there was nothing they could do about it so it 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 gave them solace to to be able to go to church go to synagogue and 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 pray to a god and and ask for intervention and ask for help and ask for understanding and you know that 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 was appropriate for that time I don't see it as serving mm-hmm. the same purpose now that once it did. Mhm, I agree. Yeah, it's really about stepping up, in my opinion, on a lot of different levels. And, and the more, I, like I said, I know I keep I keep going over to the celestial bodies, but to me, they're really reaching out energetically. In a sense, I find that even these deities they're talking about are really representation of planets and planetary systems and consciousness within that that celestial design like the intelligence of this world, so to speak, and then the intelligence of another planet, it seemed like it would be something they would worship. And I find that everything that they wrote about is a mirror image of what's above our head. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you don't understand something, you do tend to, quote-unquote, worship it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't really, it, I don't know it, about you, but I'm not big on all that. I, I, I believe in, um, I, I'm not, I don't worship anything. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> So there was a time. Creation. Oh yeah, well no, there was a time when I was much younger that I did, and and then it, then I then I began to say, well, you know, at one at one point I be I became a Catholic, and it was like, I, and and then I got resentful that I had to go to someone to intervene between me and God, because mm-hmm. I preferred to go direct. You know? Right. And, yeah. And 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 so. It, it's you know there was a time we were primitive where those stories gave us understanding and comfort about things we did not understand. Right. Um, and there are still things today that I don't understand. I don't understand war. I don't understand hatred. I don't understand pandemics. I don't under, I, mm-hmm. I don't understand a lot of things. I'm not worshiping them, but but you know it it's it's sort of like why do we do these things to us and and exactly. i mean this 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 book just kind of you know if we're experiencing um tragedy it, it's something that we need to experience and 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 embrace and understand and take in and then move forward not get stuck in the wallowing in in the sadness, but move on, mm-hmm. and so many people get stuck there, and and they are stuck. It's like a looping program; they just don't know how to get out of it. 
Yeah. A lot of people. And, and, but I agree. You know that old, that old adage, you know, for those who for those who don't pay attention to history, we, we are doomed to repeat it, and I think we're repeating history now. Exactly. It almost feels like we did an inversion on a timeline. Yeah. And I'm a timeline mm-hmm. jumper. I don't I don't like that. I don't like going backwards at all. It's not for me. But I find that they are. They're spiraling into this, this really weird void. Yeah. And it's kind of like been there, done that. What am I doing here again? I know. See, this is why I'm done. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm like, oh. I'm coming back to this scenario. But it's too bad because, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. And, and you and I both know that it doesn't have to be like this. It didn't have to be with that, that hatred and all this craziness that's going on. There's no there's no real purpose. You're right about the wars and this and that. It's really not relative. I don't know why they think they need to orchestrate something like this. But I think it's force of habit. I think that they're so indoctrinated in programs on such a, a primordial level that that's all they're going to keep doing. And it's like, well, this isn't working. So... Something has well, to give, and I think also, it is on a cosmic scale. Isn't it also, you know, sort of? Um, it, it, it's 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 not only habit, but it's power, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's putting it's it's instead of looking for wisdom as as something that's precious that that enhances you, they're looking for power to manipulate other people, and mm-hmm. and. You know, there are a lot of those power grabbers out there, and and we've created um, egregores out of out of um, big corporations. They've taken mm-hmm. on a life of their own, and, and I think we've even declared that they could be treated as a human being, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the new but, gods. Kind of like the electronic gods, or what do you want to call them, corporate gods? But yeah, yeah. an illusion of. Yeah, but you're right; they they seek power. Yeah. And and it's sort of oh, like it, ah, it's it's sort of like you know I, I think we've I think as humans we've forgotten why we're here. Mm-hmm. And and it and it's it's uh, you know yes we have to survive yes we have to have a place to live and clothes on our backs and food and food in our in our bellies but but the purpose of being here is to grow and we do that with love we don't we don't do it with you know a credit card <laughs> we don't do it with a checkbook and and the the element of of interacting with other people and 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 Experiencing love and sharing and generosity and and not not sacrifice because sacrifice is is a scary thing because sacrifice can turn to um, a cancer eventually. Mm-hmm. But 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 um, it, it depends on on how you sacrifice and why you sacrifice. I mean, there are times sacrifice is a very noble thing. Um, but many people get caught up in being the sacrificial lamb and mm-hmm. never grow beyond it. So so it's a matter of, you know, I think people are forgetting why we're here. We're here mm-hmm. as a group, as a family, and we don't treat ourselves, each other, as family. Not at all. Not even spiritual brothers or sisters or cosmic brothers and sisters, you know what we want to call it. Yeah. I agree, but that's all social engineering and programming, in my opinion, also. But at some point, you understand the programming and you get out of it. I mean, I know beings like us do. We we kind of wake up out of that scenario, and I don't see much of that going on here. But but it does feel like the whole world has been encapsulated into a void, and it feels like it's being pulled away and ripped away from creation. You know, 
that's very sad. Um, not that we're ripped away, but it just feels like people are being ripped away, whether they choose to or not. I don't know. And another thing is, the myth of the dying god. I mean, we're all god, godhead beings. We're all, like I said, a master within, even when you know, we don't realize it. And I find that we are that too. We're, we're kind of like the dying gods on a world that's kind of gone in a different orbit, so to speak. I mean, I don't want to sound grim, but it does seem like that sometimes. Well, it 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 does, and yet you know, all of these different gods throughout the thousands of years. You know, they they died or were sacrificed or, or or executed or whatever, and then three days later they rose. And um, I I find that 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 to me was fascinating. The 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 journey that Jesus took has been replicated any num- I mean, he, there are five or six different times that that you know they they take you through different generations of human evolution just to say you know. This is the story of this God. I mean, you know, Osiris and Horus, and um, mm-hmm. you know, the resurrecting of of Horus and, and into Osiris. I, I keep getting those guys mixed up, but um, but you know that it's story. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and it's so many of them are so similar to mm-hmm. to the story of Jesus that it it. it does make one ponder because, of course, those stories are out there as well as as legends and myths. And then suddenly you have Jesus, and and you know, and people take it verbatim. And to a degree, I understand that, but to another degree, you know, it's were they creating a religion out of a philosophy that was a wonderful philosophy. When, when you get right down to it, all of the major religions are, are based on um, the golden rule. Mm-hmm. And, and right. you know, if you, if you just take the simplicity of that and live by that, you've, you've got your golden. But, but they built upon it, expanded it, and then started to make rules and create dogma and, and then separated humanity into different groups. Instead of mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, you're one group, you're one family, you're all the same," and then and then one group decides they're better than the other. Some one group says that we are the chosen, you're not, and uh, you know, and and then suddenly there's war over it all. So, mm-hmm. um, not really sure how that happened because we yeah. all started well, as right. one family. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's that, that whole thing about controlling and manipulating and having an agenda behind under the guise of religion, I mean, or anything else. But, you know, that whole sequencing connected to, yeah, the ancient mystery schools and the story of Christ. I mean, it does. It mirrors and dovetails right into the Egyptian mystery schools. And with that comes, the, and I've talked about the transfiguration of the Adam, because in my opinion, the whole idea behind Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus was the transfiguration of the Adam, which means through initiation and through spirituality and like body Merkava, he was transmuted alchemically. And that's the that's what we go through in the process of evolution and consciousness. Is that's what brings us to the immortality area where we can face it, locate, become the immortal, you know, bodhisattva types. I mean, that's me. That's what I see. Um, but you know, people are saying that the more physical aspects of the, you know, this dying on the cross, et cetera, and then being reborn. So, and another thing that comes to mind when you mentioned the threes. I mean, what do you think about the threes? Why is it always three days? That uh, why is that that number there, in your opinion? Because it is the Trinity frequency number. Yeah, and it's out there. I mean, three wise men um, in the three days. Um, I think there's something else about three months someplace, too. Um, well, it's a trinity. 
Mm-hmm. And and yep. and you know the the Christian and the Catholic Church, you know, decided to to lock onto that one, and it's sort of like you know you you have a term that applies to something perfectly, and then everybody uses it, and it becomes hackneyed, and right. it 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 no longer has the same um, power and flavor, and and it 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 loses its impact when everybody yep. is using it. It's it's like light worker, light bearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of those terms forty years ago, thirty years ago, you know, they were new and, and you know, there weren't a lot of light workers out there and now everybody's mm-hmm. a light worker and, <laughs> I agree. It's been hijacked. Yeah, it's been co opted. Oh, yeah. And it's been everywhere it's been co opted, not just the new age community, but religions symbols, every symbol you can possibly imagine has been hijacked. So that the frequency has changed. It's not the same. It's not as pure. It's like King Arthur drawing the sword from the stone. I mean, there's a very uniqueness to what you were describing. And I find that certain certain beings are just more, I don't want to say they're more advanced, but maybe they're more, they've done more work. They shine brighter and they do a lot more versus some of the people that are just hopping on the bandwagon. Yeah, that's true. And and it's it's kind of like, you know, when, when you use a term to describe yourself and then suddenly... Everybody is using the same term. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, I've got to find another term now. So lately, I've become a. Are you? Oh, are you? okay. Are I'm, you? I'm, I'm a bridge care. walker. I'm a oh, bridge I love walker. That, though. I think that's I, I good. Stay, I stay in the middle of the bridge between this world and the next. That's beautiful. And watch. Let's hope nobody else, you know, copies <laughs> that one. Yeah, I heard it here first, Barbara, so I'll know. And I'll make sure I. I start hearing that again. Well, it's, but it's true. That it is, and especially on the Internet, because it's monkey see, monkey do. And as soon as they hear it on the radio or they hear it on an interview, they start running with it. I mean, I've seen that before over and over again. Even stories, even information, you know, they, they copy and paste. And, you know, it's just uh, that's too bad in a weird way that people have to do that. But I don't know why they do it. Well, you know, it, it's true. And, and there is, I, I think it's so confusing because there really is nothing new. and And, you know, every now and then... Um, I came up a long time ago with a phrase that I thought was a, it was wonderful, and I, I was going to make bumper stickers, and I was sure I had invented it, and it was "When in doubt, don't." Oh, I like and that. I, me too. And I really, you know, I thought I and and I said, you know, I, I don't know where it came from, but I'm going to claim it because I don't know where it belongs. Well, I found out where it belonged, and the first person to use it was Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. Yes. Your relatives? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm him reinvented. Who knows? Or well, maybe one of your um, ancestors. Who knows? You know, but it's interesting you have tapped into the database. I mean, it just to me was so fabulous. And what was the other one that I that that I, I'm pretty sure is mine? But now I'm not so sure about anything that comes out of me. And that's that's logic and reason does not apply. We live in times like when too. logic and reason does not apply. But I haven't um, heard that elsewhere. It's well, well, you know, at one point I was I was cleaning up some of the stuff on my website, and I thought I would send it through a um, one of those uh, checkers to, to make sure that it wasn't you know I hadn't in some way pilfered someone else's words or works. And everything I put through said, oh, no, this is plagiarized, this is plagiarized, this is plagiarized. 
And when no, I, I knew I had it. written it. No, well, when, when uh-huh. I knew I had written it and it came back mm-hmm. plagiarized, I realized they were they were checking me out against my own website. So, of course, it came back plagiarized. Oh, brother. I would never trust anything like that, those programs at all. And I know my work, too, because I mean, plus I've copywritten it, but I know. I know my real work. Because, you know, we all have a different way of communicating and, and a, an original formula that we use, terminology, whatever. And it seems like it's very unique onto the individual, especially when we're writing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've noticed that anyway. But it's 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 sort of like you know there is there is a cosmic consciousness, there is a group consciousness, and and if if you are able to sort of let information flow through you, then then you know amazing things happen. I mean. You write poetry. Mm-hmm. You 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 become, you know, a gifted author. You you know, there's 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 a lot of magic that can happen the more that you trust yourself and open yourself up to that higher consciousness that is cosmic and 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 can mm-hmm. can create magic in your life. There's just no doubt about it. And, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, it's so a very many, interactive world. Go ahead. Well, and so many people just don't trust it. You know, it's like, oh, that's not me. I couldn't possibly have written that. And I've hit a couple of those times, you know, in cleaning up stuff. I found one article that I um, called my friend Jeannie, and I said, this is really pretty. I'm going to put it on the website, but I'm not sure who wrote it. And I, I read it to her, and she said, you wrote that 10 years ago. And, well. you know, it was <laughs> it was like, oh, well, it was good then. It's good now. But you know, I just uh, some, sometimes you know you write so much you 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 just can't keep track of everything that you've written. You of course have That's written so great books. Well, thank I mean, you. I, I love used to you. write a lot of poetry too. Yeah. Why don't you still do it? Oh no, this was back in when I was younger. I used to write poetry when I was in my teens, and then I um I don't know in my twenties. I have I have a book of poetry. I think I'm going to publish, but. Yeah, it's and if you look at it and read it, it's absolutely beautiful. It's stunning. And I thought that's one of those things where I'm like, wow, I can't believe I wrote that. But it wasn't. I was streaming it. Obviously, it was me, an aspect of me. But my point is that can uh-huh. you recreate those now? I don't think I can. You know, um, that's just stuff that's magic in motion when you start writing that kind of stuff, that kind of poetry. But I wrote about Atlantis oh, and other worlds and all kinds of cool stuff. And like we were talking earlier, my version of Atlantis is is more celestial. It's it's cosmic. It has nothing to do with what people have described. In these books, not that these books, you know, they are what they are, but it's interesting how we all have a different benchmark of, of what we see and what we interpolate. Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, I'm going to put Atlantis in the same categories as, as um, the Garden of Eden, as um, Loredel, as Ashtar, as uh, Ashtar, as, as Shambhala, as, you know, all of these these mystical places that, that, you know, we're supposed to, I, and, and like you said, I, I think it's more etheric. I think that, that it, it it was a place that was representative of a level of consciousness and a way of life that would have been a wonderful blueprint for humanity had humanity decided to go that direction. Right, and once but again, we're right there right now. Yeah, we cert- we yeah. certainly have the power to do it, and and yet mm-hmm. um, there's so much anger and destruction, and I mean, 
I, I've not seen this much anger at, at different races, at different groups, uh, ever before. Mm-hmm. I agree. In 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 my lifetime, anyhow. Um, I, I was either. born the the very end of World War II, um, but you know, it's just. Um, Rabbi Dasik said, you know, if you picture everyone you look at as having the face of God and treat them accordingly, it's it's going to be a beautiful world. Mm-hmm. And you you got you got to read his book. His book, um, Rational, Radical Loving, is just fabulous, and he is a great interview. I should check him out. I'll probably have him on my show. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, he's a, well, he's right. He's a, he really is. But you know what it takes to get people to look at each other on that level? Um, and not, not everybody can resonate with that, and it's unfortunate. I'm not trying to poo-hoo it, but it really is, uh, you know, certain people are just so programmed. I mean, my goodness, but you're seeing it on the timeline. But I'd like to see them step it up, you know, step up their consciousness. But it's going to take a higher frequency, and it's going to take them to take the initiative and, and get in there and, and move to that next level. But, you know, the 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 keys the triggers are out there mm-hmm. um and and people who are planting those those keys uh, i mean look at john lennon's um imagine mm-hmm. definitely right, yeah. definitely uh a, a a trigger to say to remind us of what we're capable of and and it's it's just it's it's sad to to see humanity um spiraling the way it is now and and mm-hmm. this 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 last year and a half has been an amazing opportunity for people to rediscover their their direction their 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 mission in life who they are what they want to do with their life and and, and a lot of people have a lot of people have mm-hmm. shifted and changed their focus so so it, it's 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 good in that way in that they took the time out and, and they used it creatively. Um, and then there are those that haven't. I mean, I have noticed, maybe you have too, that anybody who wrote a book in the last year and a half, instead of writing a 300-page book, have written a five or 600-page book. <laughs> oh, jeez. That wouldn't be me, though. <laughs> but, yeah. No. Oh, gratefully, your books. No, your books are very readable. They're very instructive. They're they're fabulous. And of course, I love your transformation one, Ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, your transmutation for I, Ascension. Thank you. Yep, I have blatantly stolen it. Um, well, that's okay. You know, I I don't take credit for it, but I do teach it. So, um, it, and and for anybody who's interested in in that kind of a process, it's a fabulous book. That and and Mr. Moon and the Halloween Ball. Oh, Mr. Sun and the Halloween Ball. Yeah. I love that book, too. You know, it's such a cute children's book. It really is. I, I'm not, like, conceited, but I, it's, it's really dear to my heart. I'm such an, a child within sometimes, and I love that book. I'd love to put it in a little animation story. It is, it is beautifully written, and the illustrations are gorgeous. They are cute. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you did a good that, job that at is... Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a, a worthwhile read. Um, I loved it. So um, I love magic. Yeah, little moments, you know, they yeah. bring kind of a little bit of joy to your heart. I mean, the, the the things in life that bring us happiness, just those moments of just pure thought, pure energy, and just enlightenment, and it, and even a children's book. I mean, something as simple as that, but it puts a smile on your face. And I don't want to miss out on those moments. I hope people don't forget how to have happiness. 
or just a moment of, you know, letting go of this weird that's going on. Oh yeah, I I think the uh when I when I moved um from Connecticut to to Nashville, I I had huge gardens in Connecticut and I I don't here. I'm in a in a townhouse condo. But I do have a small space where I can, you know, do plantings and I discovered I had no dirt. So I've got 30 or 40 pots out there with flowers in them. And you know, it's a great way to, to garden because, you know, something mm-hmm. dies, you put something else in that's blooming. And, but yeah. um, it, it, it's, it makes me smile. Um, mm-hmm. I, I go out there sometimes very late at night when, when it's acceptable heat-wise, and I sit there and, and just, just look at all the flowers, and they, they make me smile. And, and I, I think everybody has certain things in, in their life, in, in their reality, that, that make them smile and give them joy. And, and it's, not, it's not stuff you buy with money. It's stuff you create with your own hands. Or it's, you know, watching a sunset or sitting by a waterfall. Or it's, it's some of those those experiences that cost no money at all but give you great joy. And, boy, when you can mm-hmm. have those and, and, you know, have access to them so that you can sit and smile and, and just sit and chuckle about, you know, how, how cool life actually is, it, it creates right. magic in your life. And, and once you have the magic, boy, you've got it made. Then you can, then you can create miracles. And, mm-hmm. and they do happen. They do happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That synchronicity, when it starts moving, the energies of the cosmos, it's really powerful. But, yeah, you know, life's uh-huh. too short to be stuck in a rut. And even if we're dealing with a very challenging timeline, it's still, it's not going to come back to us again. I mean, we leave this world, you know, have a good life while you're here or do the best you can to be as happy as you can, in my opinion, because it's going to be a whole different ballpark when you leave. It's, it's not like you just get to hop back in another avatar body and come back here. So I think people should take that into perspective. I really do. And, and look a little bit more kindly on each other. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm a warrior spirit, too. But my point is, there's too much drama. I mean, people are just chomping at the bit to bother each other, and that should be going on. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, well, we're just coming out of a Mercury retrograde, too. So Well, that's a good excuse. Think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mercury, you know, it just seems to go back. Blame it on the planet. <laughs> well, why not? Um, it 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 does feel as though people are starting to communicate a little bit better now. But for a while there, it was like nobody understood anything. I I gave a friend of mine. He asked for a telephone number for a place around where I am, and I sent him the telephone number, and he said the number doesn't work. And I said, of course it works. I've called it. It works. No, it doesn't work. I said, are you sure you've dialed the right number? Yes, I've dialed the right number. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. You gave me the wrong number. And I sat back and I thought, I know this number works because I called it. And hmm. so I so I, I, I took a breath and I said, did you happen to put a one in front of it? Because it is long distance from where you are. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Dead silence on the other end of the phone. <laughs> How funny! I know that people are making a lot of errors too. Yeah, this past year, I, well, it could be the shutdown and all the weird, and even wearing a mask. Who knows? Because they're not getting enough oxygen. I don't know. But there was a lot more errors. I've noticed a lot more problems just with stuff 
purchasing online or this or that, just just glitches that don't normally happen. And, yeah, I've noticed that more and more. Well, life is taking a a turn for sure, and and I think, um, frankly, we've got a summer of turmoil ahead of us. Um, It it just feels like there is so much anger out there, and, and... for some reason, uh, turmoil seems to grow in hot weather and, and humid weather. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think and you're right so about I, that. I, I'm, um, I'm kind of sitting back and, and watching because it seems to me that, that, that there's a lot of angry people out there. And, and, you know, this is a time frame where they express their anger physically. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. staying out of big crowds. But... Um, that's good. We've kind of got, gotten off topic just a little bit. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> we do that sometimes. We took a journey someplace. That's okay. Oh, I yeah. I think that's what no, his book I, is designed to do, actually. Quite honestly, we go into this and then it's like, wait a second. Because I didn't need to divert, but I'm like, I kept seeing celestial bodies. And every time I read his work, or anybody else's for that matter, but it seems like we just went into another field of energy to discuss it on a different level. Oh, yeah, I agree with okay. you. And I, and, I, and, and I think that... Um, that that the planets have a great deal to do and with the gods and goddesses and and even um even uh well as far as you've had Robert Sullivan on your show, haven't you? Mhm. I have. He's coming back on in October, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He's, a couple yeah, months away. Yeah, he he does he does two analogies that, that that I absolutely adore and if you've never heard them it's worth it's worth listening to. Um he does one with Jesus, Lamb of God, mm-hmm. and he, he 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 astrologically, you know, compares the whole thing and he goes through the whole um symbolism that is connected to the story of Jesus and the other is Elvis Presley. Well, yeah, that's right. I have I do remember the Elvis Presley one. You know, Sun Sun Records, Memphis, Mm -hmm. Egypt, the whole thing, and 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 um, he he does that symbolically, and it's it's phenomenal. And his new book, um, he's he's incorporating a lot more of the astrological stuff into it. Oh, cool! So so it it really looks like um, the new book is going to be fabulous. Um, Are you going to have him on soon? I'm I'm going to have him on, and Mark's going to have him on. Um, Mark's going to have him on um, before I do, because uh, Mark had space and I didn't. So I think he's I think Robert is is scheduled to come on in January, and nice. um, and I think for Mark he's going to be on earlier. I can't I I don't have the calendar right in front of me, but yeah, he's going to be on Mark's show, and they're going to they're going to dig into. Um, a lot of the the new material that he's use he's using in getting the symbolism for um the symbolism that is in that is are in the movies mm-hmm. and um oh yeah the cinema symbolism is awesome yeah okay wait a minute mark just mark is mark is obviously listening um hi mark august twelfth is when he's going to have Robert Sullivan on. Cool. And um, so he's, yeah, looking very much forward to Mark's show and mine because we interview mm-hmm. differently. So so we'll get into different. I, I think 
uh, Robert's new book is is one that could you could probably do two or three shows on because first of all it's a big book and mm-hmm. and he, he takes he takes different approaches to things in the new book so I'm looking forward to it actually. Yeah, he's he's a very good decoder. He's really really good at what he does. Yep. Especially with cinema symbolism, all those movies. He was uh, you know his assessment was pretty interesting. I've requested two movies. Yeah, I, I have. He, he, the Matrix is one of the ones in the new book. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have asked him to do two movies that he hasn't done yet, which I'm really sad about. One is Avatar, and the other is Interstellar. Um, oh, that would be good. Both yeah, of, bo- both of which have symbolism like crazy in them. But you mm-hmm. know, he, you know, he has yeah. to buy the movie and he has to re- watch it twenty or thirty times. <laughs> I know. I couldn't do that. I mean. Yeah, some movies I like. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit there that long. I guess we'll get to I, I can lip sync a couple of movies, Mamma Mia, The Sword and the Stone. Um, but, you know, as far as looking for symbolism, not so much. They're just happy happy movies that I just adore, and I can watch them endlessly. But, yeah, you the know, the... Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, no, I... Happy, happy, happy... Uh, what was the other one? Oh, um, 1776. Mm-hmm. Um, that musical. Um, I just adore. 1776? 1776? Yeah, 1776, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the, there are, there is so much symbolism in our past that I don't think we even recognize. And, and, you know, like, like, um, goddesses on top of buildings in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense, and yet there they are. Um, and we've got um, the obelisks in major cities, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Central Park transmitters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there got yeah. you know there there's there there have been incorporated into our society symbols of antiquity that that many people don't even understand what they mean. Mhm. Exactly. And 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 you know I think one of the things that 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 Manly P. Hall's book helps to do is is to point out a lot of these symbolisms come from way back in antiquity and they represent something that is that is almost a um, a symbol that that stands for the same thing, you know, an archetype, and right. and so that so that you know we have these archetypes that are there, and I mean, once you have gone through one of Robert's books, you'll never look at a movie the same way again because you'll you'll be a part of you is subconsciously looking for where are the archetypes, what's going on. What's happening? Mm-hmm. I know what to expect because I've identified some of the archetypes, and I know what their behavior is going to represent. So, right. um, you know, it's it gives you a, a greater depth of perception and, and understanding of of your life and and your reality. And and if you understand the astrological stuff, the the gods and the goddesses. I mean, you know, that's that's all over the place. I mean, look at mm-hmm. it's. 
Look at Starbucks. <laughs> I mean. Oh, I know. It's one big encryption everywhere. It's encoded. It's very interesting. It's just like a big formula. You know, if you look at the whole scenery, it's like a playbook. And if you uh-huh. read it right, you can really write the streams and then decode. And he's able to do that uh, on so many different levels. But even the numbers, you know, think about, we were discussing this the other day, about the, the 20, uh, like the, the 1111 numbers that pop up or the 333s or the 222s or whatever it is. I don't know if you had that same thing happening where all of a sudden you're seeing these numbers popping up on your on your clocks. Uh, but I've had oh, a lot of yeah. people telling me, you know, they're getting that a lot. Um, and, and it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, at all. Once again, they're plugged into something. Uh, it's almost like a simulation, but but the idea behind it is why does that message keep popping up? Why do those numbers keep showing um, themselves, and what is the message behind it? Well, yeah, and, and, you know, where do you go for the information? Right. Well, I go to my numerology, but my gnosis, but most people wouldn't know. I mean, and look at Robert Sullivan. He has a different interpolation of the data, too. So I guess it depends on where you where you walk here on the timeline, but... I find it to be something that it's singing unless they've asked for an answer or they're you're trying to get a message from something. I think that's the message. Those numbers are talking. Oh, absolutely. Um, Lynn Buss wrote a, uh, a wonderful book called The Heart of Numerology, and I think that's the title of his website, too, and he's got a calculator on there, so all you have to do is put your name in, and he has all the information on what the different numbers mean um, mm-hmm. there as well. And and it's just it's it's amazing um, confirmation. Um, wow, what's that? that came from? <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't that That's from you. <laughs> it wasn't here either. <laughs> really? Oh, how funny! It wasn't coming from me. That's over there. Well, wow. Let's check. Very on, interesting. Let's check on numerology. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I do numerology, wow. but yeah. But it, it definitely has a, a value, no doubt about it. But when people are starting to plug into the sequencing of clocks and, you know, all of a sudden it's just showing itself so often you have to ask, what's up? Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's funny. If, you know, I certainly, you know, everybody gets to a point in time where they, they want an answer. You know, they want a sign. <laughs> they want a symbol. They want something. And... You know, it's always there. That, that synchronicity mm-hmm. always comes. It's just a matter of being um, quiet enough to quiet your mind enough to to be observant and 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 to read the symbols that are coming your way. Whether it's you know, um, I, the other night I was sitting on my my back deck, front deck. I don't know, one of my decks, and. Um, it was, you know, it was quiet, it was still, it was, you know, it, it was just very peaceful, and it was like, you know, all right, you know, I need a sign for this particular issue I was working on. It was kind of like, you know, don't don't want a burning bush because I don't want the fire department here, but, you know, <laughs> a, a trumpet sound, you know, just something, you know, subtle that, that you know, I can... I can understand is definitely a sign of of you heard me anyhow whether or not I'm going to get what I want is a whole other ball of wax but just did you hear me and mm-hmm. I have these huge chimes on my on my deck there huge it ta- it takes quite a quite a quite a breeze to get them to you know they're very mellow sounding and there wasn't a breath of air anywhere and one of them started to chime Wow, nice. And, and it, was, it was like, 
Absolutely, and right next to it was the other one, and the other one wasn't chiming, and the flowers weren't moving, or you know, nothing was fluttering, and and suddenly this thing is chiming away, and it was like, okay, so you heard me. Now the question is, nice. do I get my way? <laughs> you know? I would say a yes on that one. I mean, it's so interactive. That's the beauty of what we're dealing with with this fabric. Everything is so interactive in consciousness. It really is. It seems like it's excuse me, more amplified now than ever when it comes down to the art of manifestation. It's very quick. But, but you have to be perceptive of the, enough to pay attention and discerning. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think, you know, we all get synchronicities sent to us constantly, and it's a matter of are you paying attention? Are you... Mm-hmm going through something in your life that is difficult and and are you suddenly seeing uh, sitcoms representing the same situation or are you reading a book that that refers to the same situation that's going on in your life are you getting a message of how to respond to that situation from from an outside source which which you're pulling to yourself You, you know it's kind of like i don't trust myself enough to just take my inner feelings, I want to get an outer representation of an answer. And mm-hmm. and and you get it. It comes. It's there. But you have to be able to sit back and be quiet and observe and listen. And, you know, um, oftentimes um, a, a song on the radio, well, the words will absolutely address a question you've been mulling over in your head. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it, you know, there's so many different ways that that can happen, whether it's um, something on television, whether it's uh, an email you get from somebody that, you know, you haven't heard from in a long time, whether it's, um, I don't know, skywriting. I mean, it, it, it can take the form of so many different um, messengers. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's there, but being discerning, being able to quiet yourself, to quiet your mind, to just listen to what's going on around you and and then get the message and then act upon it appropriately. Right. The cool thing and I is, think a lot... No, go ahead. No, the cool thing is that you, there's no wrong way to answer one of those messages. It's, you know, whatever you do mm-hmm. is right. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, most people are just so damn... Well, I shouldn't say damn. They're, they're mostly uh, so so distracted that they just don't they don't pay attention to those messages. Some of them are very, very subtle. I do know um recently I've been noticing a lot more energy in the in the field at night when I'm outside. So I was mentioning this the other day that my, my vision, my, my psychic vision and a multidimensional sight, whatever you want to call it, is more ramped up now than ever, uh, when it comes down to just seeing energy. So that's definitely been going on. Oh yeah. I, I, worth, yeah. There there have been downloads happening all over the place and um Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people are finding themselves very tired um where where normally they they didn't you know they weren't Mm -hmm. tired and lots of times that comes from having the downloads being incorporated into your consciousness while you're supposed to be sleeping and sometimes you're working harder when you're sleeping than when you are awake Mm -hmm. um but I, I think being kind to yourself and understanding that these are times where there's change going on. And when there's change going on, um, it's really important that you take care of yourself and you take your vitamins and you get your sleep and you, you don't 
overwhelm yourself with with worry or or fear and you know there's there's really nothing to fear um mm-hmm. life is meant to be experienced not to be frightened of and uh oh i agree yeah that's a big block for know. a lot of people too it is it, it 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 it's sort of like oh my gosh you know what do i do now well you just keep going <laughs> And, and because I just let go of the wheel. You drive I, now. <laughs> I don't know. I like to steer every now and then, but I always hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, navigate through some portals. Yeah, every every now and then it's it's like, okay, I know what you want me to do. I've got it. I'll take it from here for a while. And I hear laughter and doors slamming. It's kind of like anybody that's been helping me on the other side has gone out to play golf and they'll help me pick up the pieces later. And you oh, know, funny. It, it's inevitable I will screw up and and you know pick up the pieces and say, okay, so maybe I wasn't quite right, but I was I was close, you know. Mm-hmm. But are you still doing is, your write ups? Oh, go ahead. Oh, for for every month. Oh. Yeah, um, are you I doing like one... the, what you're seeing? For go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean to walk on you. Go ahead. You mean the predictions? Yes, yes. Um, I I did an overview for 2021. I haven't been okay. doing the monthly ones because it, it, I just it it didn't feel right. I will start doing them monthly again probably next year. It just felt okay. like the the that um humanity was going through such changes and and there was so much going on i would just do the the yearly one and the year it covered the whole year yeah and it's up on the website and um but but it it you know uh we seem to have been caught in a in a rut and you know i hated to say the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. No, that's good. But I look forward to those. I like those. You do a good job of those, though. So. Look forward to the next one. Yeah, well, I think you're right about summer. 20, yeah, summer is going to be a, a fascinating time. Um, we're going to see things coming out of the woodwork that we don't expect. We're going to see um, shifts and changes in many different levels of government and the possibility of some of the states changing their boundaries. Well, that would be interesting. Well, that sounds almost positive, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I It's all positive unless you happen mm-hmm. to not want change, and then you're in trouble. <laughs> but yeah. um, Well, make friends with change, as they say. I still look at Yellowstone. I don't know why. I've been kind of honing in on that. Sounds, you know, Obviously, it's got its own record of what it wants to do, but it seems to me like that's something I'm keeping an eye on. I'm... I'm my eye is on the new Madrid fault line. Now mm. that I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. I, well, you have your radar. I, You'll know. I swear it's going to go off again. I just, I'm sure it mm-hmm. is. And and I keep predicting it every year so that it doesn't. And the year that I don't predict it going off, I, I, I guarantee it'll go. So. Oh my goodness. What does that mean for you? You have to move again then. <laughs> no, I'll just have a lot of broken crystal. I'm pretty sure that I'm, you know, that I, I won't have waterfront property, but um, okay. I, I might come to think of it. I have some pretty big rivers here, but um, mm. no, I don't think so. But I, I, you know, if an earthquake hit, 
uh, the things that, that hit here are more tornadoes than earthquakes, so I feel pretty safe. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the new Madrid line, I'm sure, is going to go off again. It's it's overdue, so we'll mm-hmm. see what yeah. happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So just notice the time. We are coming to an end here. Um, mm-hmm. Want to let people know where your website is and where your other radio shows are? Oh, sure. Well, thank you, Barbara. This has been a wonderful show, as always. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And, yeah, my website's Night Shadow Anomaly Detectives. You can find my radio shows over there on uh, Hyperspace of the KCUR Digital Radio Network in the archive section. And I'm also on Raven Star's Witching Hour on Revolution Radio. At Freedom Slips, you can find archives there as well. And both those shows are great. Um, Freedom Slips oh, has a, a brand-new chat room, which is, I'm not sure they actually listen to any of the shows, but it's a very active chat room. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I, I I don't know if they do either. <laughs> There's all kinds of conversation going on. It's it's a where people. It's like a, a little virtual bar, I guess. I don't know. I, I know a long long time ago, well, in 2009, when I started Nightlight, the chat rooms were very very active, and and I. I can remember watch, watching some great recipes being shared during the show from time to time. <laughs> so, so, That's um, funny. Yeah. So, you know, well, I'm glad you're doing this. Debate. This is great. This is a, the, uh, Nightlight is, has certainly evolved into, um, I think, what, what I had hoped it would evolve into, and that's becoming a light in the darkness of, and confusion of evolution. So that mm-hmm. uh, night, it, it is a nightlight. It's a place of brightness. It's a place of light, and um, hopefully, it, it can be a place where people can, you know, help to find their direction and uh, trot off in the proper one for them. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is, this has been a great evening. I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat, <laughs> and oh, we will we will we will be back again um, the last Sunday in. July, and uh, mm-hmm. choose another subject that we will divert from. <laughs> exactly. No kidding. <laughs> but yeah, we went through so another universe for... tonight. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, thanks so much for for you know being here once a month. It's it's such a joy to talk with you, and and I'm so delighted oh. to have um, Neon Twilight on on Nightlight. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here, and I just uh, love your work and respect you. So, thank you for having me. Fun. Enjoy you too. I love having you on with the uh, with the show. It's great. It is fun. It is fun. So, I will wish you good night. I will wish everybody out there good night, and have a safe one. Have a good one. Remember to have joy in your heart and laughter on your tongue, and your perceptions turned way to high so that so that you have. Magic happening in your life at all times. Good night, everybody.